you are in the world. It is a fantastic evening in London and I am joined here by a great guest with a fantastic name and legacy. So this isn't Game of Thrones. This isn't the ITV News. This is the Architecture Social with a planning superstar, Mr. Jon Snow from somewhere else in London. And I happen to work with Jon Snow in Bill Studios. Um, Jon, how are you this evening? Oh, Steve, thank you very much for the introduction. That was that was quite a beautiful thing. Probably the best introduction I've ever had. I am I am wonderful, thank you. Amazing. I am wonderful. I've just finished a, a busy day. Yes, yes. No rest for us, it seems. No rest for no, no rest for the wicked. But uh, actually, John, you you're far from wicked. You've got an excellent reputation, and you were kindly. You very kindly said that you would make time to do this podcast episode because it's something that I wanted to do for a long time. So you do me two favors. So one, I haven't done one of these for a while. So I'm getting back in the saddle and it's good to do it in good company. But secondly, tick. yes, tick number one. But secondly, we're going to talk about the wonderful and for some, the mysterious world of planning. Okay, so so and we'll go on the segue with that because I used to practice architecture a lot and I was part of the design team when working with planning consultants and you're a fantastic planning consultant, John. Maybe it would be great if you could tell us briefly about yourself and your business and all that good planning stuff. Mm, thank you very much. No, and thank you for the opportunity as well because... Um, it strikes me from my experience in planning that not very many people know what it is that I do right, um, or how it is that I work. So this yeah. is a great opportunity for me to sort of chat about that. I mean, I, so, so I've been working in planning for 16 years. Wow. Around 16 years. I've stuck at it for that long. So you're an expert. So I've got a well. I mean, you know, to varying degrees, depending on what question you ask me. <laughs> so I, I, I started off with um, a job at the council. Right. Funny enough, yeah. really, really junior job, and then I, I progressed into the sort of the planning department. I got a planning job. I did a planning related degree and a postgrad. And, and really, it was sort of upwards from there. Um, in the last 16 years, I've worked for several different private companies. I've worked for the council prior to that for a few years. So I've got a, quite a varied experience. And in the last, how long has it been? 15 months? I've been running my own company. So right. I've taken all of the experience that I've gained and and put that into a put that into a business, put that into a company. And I provide advice mainly to to architects, developers, business owners on planning matters. So if you were an architect or a business mm -hmm. owner or a, or a developer and you wanted to build some houses or build some flats or develop a piece of land or you wanted to change the use of your shop. Yeah. Or anything related to that, that and, and and a whole lot more. These are all things that I can advise you on. Amazing. Well, we'll have to give you a round of applause first for setting up a, 
of business during the pandemic. It's, it's an absolute brave time to do that. It sounds like you're doing really well. And I've actually seen you in the office and you are doing really well. So I would love to know, John, because I think uh, well, a lot of it's interesting is finding out how people got into planning. Because with architecture for me, even though I don't technically do it so much anymore, I work in the architecture industry, but I, I work in a bit of recruitment. I work in a bit of internal HR and a bit of internal talent. Well, actually, um, I wanted to study architecture. I was super, super keen to get into it. So tell us about yourself. How did you get into planning, studying in? You know what? That's a great question. And it's probably <laughs> the question I get asked the most often. Really? Um, planning, it is. It is, believe it or not. Planning, planning perhaps... If you compare it to architecture, architecture for some people is a bit of a vocation. Okay. And it's something that they want to be from quite a young age. And they, they've, you know, they want to design spaces in a way that, that can positively affect people. Yeah. Um, with planning, I got into it through when I was looking at the various university courses that were available. Yeah. Um, it was suggested to me by a lecturer. And what they effectively said was, if you want to make a difference in the world, you want to make a difference to the environment around you, then planning could be a really good place to start. I didn't know much about it, if I'm honest, yeah, yeah. at that stage, but it was something that I, I then, it was around the same time as starting my university degree that I got a job at the council. And the job at the council, um, I started out in the really junior pieces of work. So things like digitizing gas pipes, and and producing site maps and going out on site with the with the you know the planners in the office and you'd be dealing with all kinds of different issues but all of these issues they there was a lot of problem solving a hell of a lot of problem solving and a lot of you were looking at harm to people or positives to people through development. So through Amazing. things that were built in the world and, you know, in the city, in the town, in the countryside. Um, and yeah, I, I was quite, I guess, inspired by the fact that I could make a bit of a difference. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to say that at that stage, I thought I could change the world or anything crazy like that, but I could make a difference through doing some planning work. Yeah. And so really that's how I, that's how I got into it. Brilliant. Um, and from, from then on, I, I enjoy, I enjoy dealing with people and planning is, is a lot about people that you deal with. Yeah. I enjoy articulating arguments and, um, I enjoy problem solving and, and those sort of three things are a lot of what planning for me certainly is about. It's amazing. I think, uh, it's definitely, uh, you know what, on some ends, I wish, I always say that if I didn't do architecture, maybe I would have gone into interior design or planning. But for any listeners out there, probably a good distinction to make, which um, earlier in my career, I didn't fully understand, John, was that when you're talking about planning, you're not talking about master planning. You're not talking about large urban design. You're on about actually when it comes to buildings being built on site you're involved you work with the local councils you work at what can be made you make sure that the buildings plug into the frameworks you make sure that the bins are accessible you make sure that there's enough <laughs> you know my story on bins, has got the to bins have got well. to be 
accessible, Steve. They've got to be accessible. Mate, it's got to be accessible, and we've got to have the shared ownership, and we've got to have all these things. And it's actually really, really important because otherwise, and, you know, there's a lot of great architects doing out there the right thing, but you also have to safeguard, you know, certain buildings and keep, you know, keep the fabric of the neighborhood. And so planning's really important and really, really complicated. Um, before, I've got another uh, question <laughs> popping up. <laughs> But before you do it, <laughs> have you, this rust, your headphones, there's a bit of rustling going around there, John. This kind of oh, is, it, is the audio all off? You know what it is? I've got my... We've got to put I've it, plug it back in. Headphone. got to put it, put it back do, in. Do, be, I, do I need to go double in? Yeah, yeah, because... When you were, when I was enjoying that, we was getting a bit of action. But we're gonna we're gonna keep all that in because this is have what I, the have, actor... I, have I ruined the start of this feature completely no. with my? No, you're you gonna haven't. have to dub me in later, aren't you? No, no, no. I can tra- we can we can post edit all that out. But let's keep continuing on with the narrative. So I'm excited <laughs> by this. So you got your first job right in in the council now. Okay, I had my first experience working and um, in, as an intern for the Swansea City Architecture Department, and Ooh. yeah, yes, and it was it was really interesting, really eye opener, very different, very different than private practice architecture. How was your experience mm. in council? Did you learn a lot? Um, that's a very good question. That that is a very good question. Um, so I did learn a lot in the council. I'd say that the yeah. council is a lot about the process. Yeah. So what working at the council teaches you, it teaches you how the planning process fits together. Yeah. And it teaches you how you can affect that. Yeah. But what it doesn't. The one thing that working for the council doesn't allow you to do, which is why I ended up in the private sector, yeah. is it it sets a framework within you which you have to operate, and you can't really you can't really exist outside of that framework and outside of the right. results. And right. you have developers coming to you who want to do things that are perhaps a little bit outside the box, a little bit not in accordance with policy, and you want to mm. help them, but you're not really allowed to. So that's really what 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 kind of ended me up working for the. Um, you know, working for the private sector ultimately was because I wanted a lot more freedom, effectively, to help people solve problems, um, you know, through the planning system. And just to come back on your earlier point as well, by the way, yeah, there's a there's a common, the common kind of, uh, you know, if you think of what is a town planner, right? So, yeah. so paint me a picture of a town planner and you go, well, a town planner is someone who literally well, they they plan they plan towns, don't they? So they design towns and they design where your house is going to go and where and where your waste facilities are going to go and where your roads are going to go yeah, and how yeah. all these things are going to fit together. That is a planner, um, but as you say, that's not exactly what I do. So that that's the kind of um, the planner that would work at the council. Yeah. So the councils have a responsibility to put local plans together, which I'm sure lots of people have heard of. Yeah, yeah. Um, but a local plan sets out where things can be built, the policies that regulate development and everything in between. What I do is I work sort of on the development side, if you will. Um, I work to try and interpret those policies yeah. and to try and find ways for developers to maximise their interest on site yeah. while 
you know, bearing those policies in mind. I think it's interesting. So, so when I did my diploma, John, in architecture, when I was excited, full of youth as we were back then, you know, and uh, <laughs> and uh, you don't know back in the day, back in the day, you know, <laughs> computers were around, but I was I was a happy soul, um, and so my dissertation, one of it, we were we were we we had to. So we had to basically look at a town, you know, in north or north, north of England. It's called, H- you know, if anyone knows Hull, you know. So we go, we're heading up north, right? And um, and so nice from, part of the world. Yeah, that's part of the world. And so, so I got really into planning and policy. And so we had to make this regeneration scheme. And so I went really, really deep and learning all about Section 106 and loads of loopholes and all this stuff. So my proposal at the time was to build a mega casino because it would bring in lots and lots of money, which is what Hal needed. But as you know, with mega casinos and putting on your planning hat here, right? What would be the massive side effects of casino? You'd have gamblers everywhere, bless them. We'd have massive issues. This could be like a spike in crime and all this stuff. So my old dissertation was getting these massive Section 106s to offset my mega casino. So I got really into it and it was really interesting, like how far I could push it to get the biggest casino possible. And that was my project and I actually got a first for it. Um, but, you know, I remember one of my um, one of the critics came in and he was like, I'm appalled. I'm appalled by your mega casino, but it is an interesting exercise. And I was like, well, you know, we need to bring in an income. So we just get in the game. And you, it's not called gambling. It's called the gaming industry, John. You know, it's the gaming industry, as they as they like to call themselves. So I um, I had a little foray in that. And then the other one which I'll tell you is when I got my proper job in architecture, I was working on a big scheme and I had to work with a planning consultant. And I've told you this story. I messed up all the bins. (laughs) (laughs) I think I put two bins for a tower, John, you know what I mean? So you all the poor souls there trying to put in their delivery boxes and stuff probably were cursing me, but luckily it never got that far because my, my director was like, no way the planners are going to approve that because there's not enough bins there. So I was saved by the bell. Uh, those are, I've had, so I've had two forays. I've had a foray in the exciting part of it, and I've had a foray in the industry. But you must have had a lot of experience working with architects, and I'm sure a lot of positive ones, and I'm sure you've also had a lot of interesting journeys as well. I mean, do you find, and here comes my question, is do you find that, um, you know, each project, it can it can vary based upon the team members you've got and the projects as well. Is each, every job different in your experience? Yeah, massively so, actually. I... I mean, I do everything from sort of things at the small end. So you might get, say, yeah. helping somebody with their house extension. Yeah. I, I tend to do less of that nowadays, up to trying to get planning permission for sort of sites for 10 plus units. I've also got some schemes on at the moment for the conversion of commercial buildings where we're generating, you know, 30, 40 plus units as part of that yeah and everything in between i'm also working on a public public inquiry at the moment as well 
on behalf of some local residents. So yeah, it, it's it's massively varied. Um, I, I guess one of the things I enjoy the most about it is probably the number one sort of group of people, and well, that's why we're talking. I'd imagine that I work with is architects. Yeah, because ultimately. I can tell you what the rules are and I can tell you what a site could accommodate. Yes. Uh, you know, in broad terms. And I can tell you a strategy that you should use to pursue yeah. development in a certain location. But but I'm not I'm not an architect, I'm not a designer. And so I work with a lot of architects um, with the sole purpose of them putting I guess them putting drawings and designs. Yeah to 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 my words if you will because yeah. i can i can review the policy review the and yeah and and that's something i do i do on a daily basis and i do it with lots of different people and i i really enjoy that side of it i really and i think that's why i'm i work well at it is because i enjoy i actively enjoy engaging with people yeah um, well and i've noticed as well that it's actually quite a people orientated job isn't it because you've got to constantly communicate You've got to constantly work with people. And I do like the the notion that you bring in the architect's vision to life. And what I've noticed by sitting by you as well is that, you know, because planning could be interpreted in both ways, like, oh, gosh, here comes the planning consultant. I am going to get my ideas squashed. But actually, no, your role is like, look, they, we I, this is going to be a tough one, but we'll do our best for it. And we just need to make sure this is here. And so actually... It's the opposite. It's not like someone put in the rules in saying, ah, oh, you can't do that. You're, you're basically looking for the best outcome in the design. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, I think it's all very well that there's kind of two approaches to planning. You can have design led, which is where you start with a blank piece of paper, come up with a design and then see how it complies with planning. Or you have what I would call sort of planning led and planning led is that I will start off by saying, well, I think this is what we could, you know, what this yeah, site yeah. can achieve. And then we go to the architect and the architect can draw something up and, and, nice. and, you know that relationship is really, really key, and I'd say I'd say it's the number one sort of um, it's the, it's the number one aspect of, of of achieving you know the best that you can out of science. And you know you need to have really good communication in that because one of the big things that I'm very conscious of is because I'm not an architect and because I'm not a designer, I do have views on other people's designs, but obviously you appreciate that I have to I have to. I have to give my comments, but obviously, without being a designer myself, I can only go so far. But yes, equally, yes. I can. So, I, you see what I mean? I don't want to offend anyone, but at the same time, we have to say if something doesn't work, then it doesn't work, or yeah, if something yeah. needs adjusting in a certain way, then it needs adjusting. And so, there's a need for you have to be quite, I guess, diplomatic yes. with how you approach things. Yeah. Um, and and there's quite a lot of negotiation as well because. With planning authorities, it's not just, well, one size fits all. This site is going to accommodate X amount of units, for instance. It all depends on the individual site circumstances. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of negotiation with the council, which requires a lot of back and forth. And I'm a big believer in how you approach people and relationships has a big impact on your work and, and the outcomes that you can Absolutely. achieve. Absolutely, yeah. 
Yeah. And so I try and approach things really positively and I try and when people come to me and say, well, you know, we've got this difficult site, I try and be realistic about, well, I think this is what you can realistically achieve, but, you know, we can try this strategy or try that strategy. Make, so, make, um, so yeah. yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. I forgot to ask you another important question about how you feel about my, my mega casino proposal from a planning perspective. I. <laughs> that's a great question. I. Well, I. You can see I both mean, sides of it. That will bring a massive income into uh, an area which isn't, which could you could use that income, but it comes at a cost, John. So we need to sit down and get them section one hundred eight ready. I need a lot of parks ready. You know, uh, for one for one thing, I I I'm not quite. I, I mean, so I I don't know if I can mention them by name, given this is going out. But I used to work as a planning consultant for one of the big. One of the big burger chains. Okay, we'll leave it there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Right. And so I advised on new restaurants, shall we say. Yeah. And much like your mega casino, they had lots of economic benefit, but from a local perspective, yeah, they were perceived. Yeah, yeah. They're noisy, they can generate a lot of people traffic. Yep. a lot of potentially a lot of litter and all these kind of things and so yeah with things like that i mean your mega casino there's a lot of advantages to it but the i guess there's costs. the role of a good planning consultant is is to balance those things up you see yes. and and is to approach the council and say yes it's going to have some impact but what can we do to lessen those impacts yeah, well, I had I had a big I had a big budget with my mega casino job. We could even have like some people tour in the streets with like you know like a little car just sweeping in. You know, the keep it's like this. We got to keep it friendly in the mega casino world. But uh, true story though, just to bring it back down. But, but, but uh, sorry, I was just going to say, but it's exactly those kind of those kind of initiatives yeah. as part of your planning proposal uh, yeah. that could. You know, in a obviously in a fictional scenario, but if you were going <laughs> yeah. to propose a mega casino, it's things like that. It's that kind of creative attitude that could potentially solve some of the some of the concerns. Well, you, so, yeah, you, you've, you definitely got you definitely got a good mind for this, Steve. Yeah, well, I'm, it's a, I'm, my talents are wasted on it, isn't it? What am I doing in recruitment? <laughs> they are, mate. <laughs> yeah, I had an Excel sheet as well, John. You'd laugh where I was like. But depending on how much customers I have, depends on how much I get back to the neighborhood. But going from the um, <laughs> going from the fictional to the real, yeah, I've had another example of it as well. It made me laugh. So I grew up in a village called Ponte de Las in Wales, and there was nothing there apart from a local <laughs> co-op genre, right? Okay, and um, there was big rumors like six, seven years ago. I was like, oh, Steve, I'm like, yeah, what? God. Tesco's is coming. Like, oh, the Tesco's going to come here for you, crazy. And, and so I was like, oh, yeah, well, they're starting to get louder. No, no, Tesco's definitely coming. I go, how do you know that then? To my mate, Bar you know, Aaron. He goes, oh, they're starting to advertise, like, you know, in the area. Oh, that's interesting. So believe it or not, be a big Tesco's. Now, bear in mind, this was a very small village in Wales, right? And then you had this big Tesco's there. And it was like a massive shed. It was a bit like the scene in that. 
um, I don't know whether uh, it's not Shaun of the Dead, but the following one. You know, when it's uh, you've got this queen little village, you get this massive Tesco, and their section 106 in my village was that they built like this little park and a roundabout, and it's all nice. So that's what they did for it. They did like a little area. You know, with the skater kids and, you know, when like when we were naughty boys in school, you'd, you'd have a cigarette kind of area. So they'd done all that up and they put like a fancy roundabout. But yeah, that's what they trade off of the village was. And it was really interesting because all the people from the village was like, oh, but that is that is a nice park. You know what I mean? That's a, that's a nice, they've done a nice job there with the bushes. It looks very nice. So it worked. And um, I've seen it myself. And that was the... The, the the section 106 that I actually can see when I go back home. And for anyone listening, I am allowed to do Welsh accents because I am Welsh. So it's not being racist or anything or self-deprecating. I, I am proud to be Welsh. But I, if, I, if I'm talking about a village in, a village in Wales, it feels like a missed opportunity not to do it. Right. So it's moving swiftly on. Um Okay. Thank Planning. you for that. Can I just say thank you for that? I, I Did appreciate you enjoy it. it? I do. But, but, well, no, because, yeah. because actually it's a very, no, but it's a great example of what the planning system's all about, you see, because, yeah. because they built their Tesco and your town got some benefits. Right. And the other bit as well, which may be, as well, the other bit that I did in architecture is that when I was in architecture, and I made quite a few mistakes, but the one mistake I didn't do is that one of the exercises was I had to go around all these residential apartments and make sure make sure that they were there at the time. And this was the requirement. And you can tell me if it's up to date or not. But we had what was called lifetime homes. So it had to be they had to be fully accessible. They had to be a certain size. You had to do all this stuff. So I had to spend many hours going around getting like making sure you get the turning circle of, or, you know, for a wheelchair user and all this stuff. And it was incredible. Incredibly, incredibly important. And I remember there was this, just this one difficult, difficult, like part of the building and what you had, John, isn't it? Because you've got the area. So the developer wants the area and they want the number of flats, but then it wasn't quite lifetime home ready. So then you had to do the art form of juggling all the flats around so that I could make sure that the developer is happy that they're getting a return on their investment. But I had to make sure then uh, all the flats were lifetime homes equivalent. And in, at the time, and you tell me if this is true, but in planning, it's very much a case of like, you have, the building has to comply. You can't say all these apartments, except for that dodgy one complies. It had to work i mean is it still like that now john is it like a, a lot of work making sure that every flat is accessible every flat is up to codes what do you see happen a lot at the moment so there are there are standards that new dwellings need to meet so there are things i mean, I mean at the very basic level you have a minimum floor space so yep. all I mean, let's take London, for example. London has minimum space standards for new developments. Yeah. And then it goes further than that in that when you get developments over a certain size, you need to incorporate things such as a certain amount of affordable housing and a certain amount of accessible housing. Yeah. And if you were going to comply with those requirements, obviously you, you need to be over a certain threshold, but you then are required to meet set standards so in a 
in a similar way to your example, um, although I guess at that stage, if it was a new development, it would probably be more of a paper exercise, but you would need to demonstrate compliance with things like if you're designing a disabled flat, for instance, yeah. uh, thresholds and turning circles and having the appropriate space for showers and things like that. So, yeah, that's a really big part of the planning system and a, bit, a really big part of the controls that are in place. Is, and a great example, actually, is that in London, anyone who's rented in London for any period of time, particularly at the sort of the the lower end of the market would have experienced a micro flat for one of a better phrase. A cupboard and you mean, John, the, you know, the ironing board and then this? the the beds and the, the micro flat, basically. Right. The, the compact flat, shall we say. Uh, the, yeah, that's uh, the salesman. Where, go, it's cute. That's the word <laughs> I would say. It's very cute. It's really cute. Yeah, it's really cute. And it's got air conditioning. Just open the freezer. <laughs> you yeah. Know, yeah. Um, this you kind open of the thing. front and, door. And, uh, Your bay window. Yeah, open the front door. Yeah, yeah. That, exactly, exactly. But the, the, the whole intent behind uh, the kind of standards that you've that you've sort of mentioned is yeah. to try and avoid, um, you know, uh, living standards kind of creeping downwards. The whole yeah. point of those controls is, is to try and try and bring things up um, as we progress and to try and, um, and, and for instance, the planning system also has um, requirements for things like adequate natural light. Mm. So having a window um, is not necessarily good enough. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. you can have a window, but if it's if it's up against a you know a brick wall or it's very small in size, then it's not necessarily going to improve your living condition. Correct. So all of these things are part of the planning system, and um, yeah, it's very much a if we can improve new housing stock in terms of the you know the the sizes, the amenities available all of those things then that's got to be for the for the better you know yeah no it makes makes complete sense and um i imagine as well it must be a great satisfaction when you get those wins and those wins is that you basically you better the design people have an enjoyable apartment or you make a positive or even as you said you've got the kind of the large scale and the small scale as well and what i quite like about your business as well and i know you're going to tell everyone where you are at the end but i love the fact that you set up tetric planning and i, I love the fact that you work on smaller and larger um, projects as well but i'm sure is there any like um particular success stories that come to mind where you were like okay i know this job is a lot of hard work but there's today i feel like it was worth it and i done a bit of good um i don't think there's any one individual i'd say when i feel success yeah is when and and luckily for me it happens a few times a week is when you speak to a client yeah, yeah. And the client is is complimentary to the work that you've done, whether that be um, you've managed to, to negotiate them a better position with the council, 
Yeah, or yes, you might have secured planning permission for something, or you've solved a problem, and that happens several times a week. And you get you get a happy client, and you get a happy customer. And for me, that is, you know, that's a big win. If we can solve a few problems, and it it doesn't always mean oh, I've secured development for X amount of homes. Yeah, and I guess if if that was my benchmark, then well, you're not going to be you're not going to be happy several times a week, are you? Well. I mean, maybe I will be in a few years, but certainly at the moment, it's about it's about the little wins. And the little wins is, as I say, sometimes it's as simple as someone's very confused about the development that's going on in their area, and they want some advice, and you give them some advice, and they're they're very happy, happy, and 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, pleased to receive it. So, well, um, I th- yeah, I think it's amazing, and so. Um, and uh, you know, good on you for uh, running your own business as well. And I respect that because I'm in the process of uh, gearing up my business. And you kindly, before the podcast began, <laughs> was a gentle soul and listened to my um, woes about accounting because you know it's a stressful thing. <laughs> it's a stressful. I think we both have those, don't uh, we? Well, it's uh... well, this is it. This is it. And. Um, and just to kind of, it's ironic, but as you told me, and we had a chat about this yesterday as well, when you, when you run your own business, you have to do a lot of things. You have to do a lot of things. And But I, there, there's a joy that you get from that as well. So I would love to know briefly what inspired you to kind of go from working, you mentioned in public and you've gone in private as well. And now you've set up a, you know, Tetric Planning. And I love the name, by the way. Uh, but before we talk about the name Thank or anything like that, yeah, tell us what made you kind of feel like, do you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my own business. I guess I could. I thought I could do it better. <laughs> oh, bold statement. Is that, is that a bit, I guess, I guess to expand on that, because that is a bit... To, to Don't worry, John. I'm, I'm, I'm the same in recruitment. And so any other recruiters listening to this, I, I think they've got a love-hate relationship with me because I think that recruitment could be a lot better as well. So don't worry about it, but go on. Tell us about how you see planning. I see planning and I see the reason that I set up my business because I feel like I can relate very well to my clients. And certainly that's what I try and do. And that's the aim. I don't always get it right, but I try and relate as best as I can to my clients. And, and, and oftentimes the biggest challenge with the planning system is, is getting the, getting the, um, what am I trying to say? It's getting the sort of translating what the planning system allows someone to do for the client. And the planning system at times, for lots of reasons, can be quite frustrating. And one of the things I enjoy the most, and probably the reason I wanted to set up my own business was because for me, I had a very particular way about how I wanted, not just to deal with planning matters, because you know that is, that's quite standard in many ways, but how I wanted to relate you know, to clients and how I wanted to manage that relationship. And certainly within a company, there's a lot more stopping you from doing that. Whereas when you work for yourself, I can deal with my clients how how I see is the best yeah. Yeah, yeah. to do, you know. So so that's certainly yeah, I can do it better. But but if that explains it perhaps in a in a in a in a slightly better way, 
Well, it's, um, it, it, yeah. it, it, it does, and, and I do that. I, there's a lot of that I enjoy with the architecture social as well. The downside, that the upside is that you're your own boss. The downside is that you're also your own boss, so you're responsible for everything, right? <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> it's absolutely. Like, it's the blessing. Absolutely. It, it, it doesn't see anyone who likes a blame culture, isn't it, John? Because it's like, oh, no. mistakes happened. It's me, <laughs> you know? The, the bugs, it's, I admire anyone who, who has the 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 um the get up and go yeah yeah to start their own business and i know i think we started our own i think we started we both started around a similar kind of time it was yeah, yeah. quite pan- pandemic-y wasn't it sort of yeah our, and there's an, op- there's an opportunity with that but there's also a madness with it as well isn't it it's like um it's a strange time um yeah it is. It is a strange time, and I'd say that, as you say, running running your own business has. It wasn't until I really got into it for a few months that I realised quite the scale of of what you have to do uh, yourself. I um, know. You know, um, and it, and this isn't me complaining, and I know we're not we're not ones to to just sort of outright outright moan or anything, but it is it is one hell of a challenge. But that is in it in itself. The reason that you do it, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, because of the challenge. Yeah, yeah, it's you know it's both the best and the worst thing about about running your own business. I I, I agree, and I and, and 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 conversely as well, because I've had and um, before this, I've had successful businesses and I've had failure businesses, and sometimes at the same time. So, for example, I used to run a <laughs> recruitment business, which was like financially super successful, but me and the other director completely fell out, and so it's um you know it's it's what you define as um, a success is um, interesting but even I think in business failing is learning and um, you know I'm constantly failing all the time and and um, you know today even though I'm pulling my hair out on Xero or I don't even know how you pronounce it (laughs) Xero accounting software once I finally get there it will be a great lesson and it's one that then you add to the anecdotes of all the stuff you know isn't that be like oh you don't want to put that in your director's loan but the i i think the 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 process is it is rewarding what i was going to say though because if anyone's got this far on the podcast they've done exceptionally well to get past my tesco story and my mega casino so maybe we can and listen and listen to 37 <laughs> minutes about planning i mean i mean you know well, we're doing well aren't we well the, ti- the tips are up so anyone that's got to the 37 minutes you're in for a treat right now because i'm gonna ask for a good piece of advice because Probably a lot of the people listening are Arctics and you have a few students who are, you know, Arctics in the making are fantastic and anyone listening out there, you got to keep going and you will totally get there. Just got to keep going. But for any Arctics, maybe who are working with planners as well, maybe what would be cool is to get your advice on how an architect can optimize their relationship with a planning consultant. I'm sure there's a few tidbits you've learned in your experience that you were like, Oh, it makes a better working arrangement. Is there any uh, insights you'd like to share for the for the thirty eight minutes crew? Oh, well, for the for the stragglers, <laughs> for the for the for the last for the last few for the for the few. No, to be fair, this gets a good a good a good bit of coverage, isn't it? Steve? Yeah, yeah. I'm sure there's I'm sure there's many people hanging on to Absolutely. every thirty eight minutes in. I'd say. It's all about communication. Right. 
And the one piece of advice I would give is when you're communicating, you've got to try... It sounds a bit cliche, and I guess cliches exist for a reason, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, but but you want to try and listen to what the other person is saying as much as humanly possible. Yeah. And certainly do that before you respond with anything. And I think, I think understanding comes from trying to listen, but not just listening, but hearing what the other person has to say. Yeah, yeah. Um, if that if that answers the question, and I'd say um, it's it's in communication, it's really important to have a sometimes a, a big mouth. Some people have got bigger mouths than others, and be able to communicate what you want and what you need. But ultimately, being able to listen and understand where someone else is coming from and what someone else thinks about an issue is, um, you know, that's I think really key to. Uh, does that answer the question? I've, I've partly yeah, forgot what it, the question it, was. It, if I'm it, honest, it's it, getting late, it's and getting... <laughs> I, I, I might have I might have come at this a bit a bit um, obtuse. So yeah, no, I like it. You're saying communication is key. I, I think that's interesting because it's true for every a lot of working relationships, isn't it? And I do think that normally when a business or a, a you know a business relationship is going well, and what I've learned through recruitment is 99 percent of the time it's because the relationships deteriorate and communication has deteriorated and you know once that communication goes then it's always it's always difficult and um it's hard to kind of um steer away well look it's the 40 minute mark now on this podcast john we're going to do something else unconventionally i would love to ask you if you have any questions Ooh. for me that we can do live and as you know we have not scripted this so i have no idea what you're going to say we have not i have no i have no script in front of me i was working up until about two minutes before we jumped on in fact i think i was late it's it's that unscripted oh, where is it? No, it's no, that no, unscripted. i was i was planning towns right up until two minutes past six dedicated um any any questions for you what do you enjoy the most about what you do steve oh there's definitely the learning aspect of it like even though i bloody hate the counts at the moment but there's a thrill in knowing it because i do like that thing of just like it will be so good when i solve it john and that's the that is the the, the journey and i i do think that i enjoy seeing the bit of business grow and i think what's interesting about the architecture social is it's really kind of going through a few stages. Now, I've got to be, I'm my own worst enemy at judging myself sometimes, but I have to constantly remind myself this because during the pandemic at the start, John, it started as a forum and I was working in full-time employment at the time on furlough. And it's kind of the combination of ideas. Then I kind of backwards engineered a website from it. And recently as well, I've got the, you know, that I work for an architecture practice as well as setting up this new business. And so I kind of feel like I'm doing it the opposite way, John, where I started off with the forum and now <laughs> the business is coming out of it and being really transparent. And, you know, I talk to you about this all the time in the office is what's really important right now is turning a profit and there's several reasons a it would be nice for my lifestyle but more importantly stuff like the beautiful yet mega tech but stuff like the forum and the beautiful things of the arctic social 
um, it needs um, to be paid for. And the art form for me at the moment is trying to get the business to make sure that the website and the forum and everything is self-sufficient in a way that doesn't kind of tarnish it. So, for example, I could approach quite a few companies and ask for an investment. But the, my worry there is, John, sometimes when you've got an investment in, the, you know, the formula can be meddled with because really for an investment, you're trading something, a commodity, and, you know, and then you could lose the magic there. So, mm-hmm. that, so actually by um, bankrolling it myself, I hope I can kind of keep its integrity. And I'll tell you another good example I enjoy is I do enjoy that um, people can make what they want out of the architecture social and and within the limits, I can let people do what they want. So for example, Reba, uh, which I'm involved with on the Reba Council, are setting up a forum at the moment. And that's a lot of work because it's a bit like when we're talking about your role, you know, in the, in the public sector as well, they, they were, you know, they were, they're a membership body. They've got to represent everyone, which is geographically different ages, different demographics, everyone. Whereas there is something quite nice about, and as you know, this when it's your ship and your responsibility i go well we don't need any of that i'm just gonna draw the line and do this and and so there is something slightly um i don't want to say darwinistic about it but there is nice that you can kind of draw the line on it but at the same time the responsibility comes with me and what i the other thing i've learned which is a blessing and the burden is i have so many people which are super supportive of the architecture social and even like yourself coming on the podcast i really really appreciate it but unfortunately this life that we have as business owners, John, if we don't drive, if we don't drive, if we don't steer the ship, it can hit the rocks, right? It can. It, it can be like the Titanic. It can hit the and, rocks. Uh, and, it, and it hits, uh, hits an accounting iceberg. Right. And Before so the, you and the, know it, can it? And I speak to my dad all the time and me and my dad have a really close relationship and he's really supportive to me. And the analogy that I would give at the architecture social right now, John, is like it's a train that's going really fast on the tracks. And what it is, though, is I'm frantically shoving the coal in the engine and I'm getting a little bit low on the coal and the engine's going so fast, it's burning all the coal. And I am holding on for dear life to put these coals in. And there's a thrill with that, but I'm the guy shoveling the coal in, right? And if I take a day off, you know where I'm going with this. It's like that coal's not going in. And the money is the coal there. So, you know, I, I'm always open about these things. And I really, really believe that... Um, everything can be fixed but that's where i'm at right now so what's how do i want to phrase it i'm in the midst of it and so to ask to answer your question around about where you said what do i enjoy about it i enjoy the madness of it i enjoy the learning i enjoy the experience i enjoy it all but holy moly a, a quieter life it would have been to work before so but and tell you what one thing john that allowed, and i'm sure you will appreciate this quote i read it today and i burst out laughing to myself so it's a little bit sad but it was funny right and so someone posted online and they said they said i got sick and, and tired of living the nine to five life so I set. Uh, so what I've done now is I've set up a business, and I realised that I work twenty four seven. Am I right? Am I right in saying that the biggest, the biggest difficult, 
he, with with running a small business or starting up a business, certainly for me, is that you can turn off your emails, you can you can switch your phone off, yeah, you can put your phone over there, right? Yeah, you yeah. can do all of that, but your brain is Yo, constantly thinking he, about well. You know, I've got all of these things I could be doing to make my business better. And your brain is constantly churning, constantly. And that that is the, as you say, the 24-7 um, thing, isn't it, really, with business? Yeah, and, uh, um, you know, but it, it is on the other hand. Um, and, uh, you know, I've been a full-time employee and I've done it for several years. I've worked at McDonald Company. I know you're, um, remember, I've worked alongside the planning team and so forth, and I've got great experiences there. But there, there is something about running your own business. It's not for everyone, but um, it bizarrely it kind of suits who I am. And so, yes, I, I wear my heart on the sleeve and keep things open. That's why, um, you know, I like to put all these things out there. That's why I like to be open about my super mega casino and open about my my foray with the Tesco roundabout don't and forget, running the business. Don't forget the mega casino, Steve. We're gonna like return to hey, that. We'll find I've, a good site for you. John, listen. We'll find right? a good site. We will. I've kept everything's on backup, my friend. I've got all the old Excel documents. Maybe what I'll even do is I'll put a little link in this podcast episode. It'll be your website. And for the stragglers, I'll put the mega casino project and then you can have a look at it as well. You know, well, I mean, I mean, it, it sounds like absolute gold. You, you, you know, there's definitely some legs in that. I think. Well, anyone that they can run somewhere. with, they, they can run with it. I'm too busy with the Arctic Social. You can have the mega casino idea. Just put me on a little plaque on a bench somewhere, and that'll be that'll that will do me. Um, do, you want about, a, do, you, do you want a percentage <laughs> at the end? Do you want a percentage of the of the fees? Do you know what though? Right, and this is it. Do you know when I always find it funny, John, that people get really worried about business ideas. So I spoke to someone and they're like, oh, I've got a business idea, but I can't tell you because you might steal it. And do you know, what? I'm just thinking like, I'm so busy. Do you really think I'm going to nick your idea? <laughs> My mega casino's okay. It's steal it. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you know, when people go like, I had the idea once for that show and then someone did it. And you're like, yeah. everyone had the idea for Britain's Got Talent. Come on. You know what I mean? Get it. Calm down. But, um, Hey John, do you do you have any more questions before we go? Any more questions for me? I guess I guess my one question would be Go on. You have successfully brought an awful lot of people together through right. the work that you've done so far. Yeah. And you might have already answered this in part, but but what inspired you to do it? But particularly what inspired you to do it in the way that you did it? Okay, that's a good question and truthful answer. So you, you ever seen the film Slumdog Millionaire where he's kind of <laughs> learns all the answers while he's walking along? So I would, in the, yeah. the last few years of my employment, I'd be like, wouldn't it be great if there was somewhere where all these times, because in recruitment, you're speaking to students and you never have enough time to speak to them. They ring you up and basically you're instructed and the way recruitment is geared is that you have to follow the time on on, on tasks which are going to pay. So for example, you were a, you know, you were, a, you were contracting and working permanent planning. There's an assignment there around it. So it make more sense if I follow up that. And what that meant is that all these students would get spoke, you wouldn't have time for them so you'd either you know kind of fob them off or you give them a little bit of tidbit but that didn't really solve the problem of what what they were looking for and actually 
I felt that a lot of people were lost. So um, I would constantly get that happening over and over and over. And I thought, wouldn't it be great to build like a resource for where, where you could share this information that people could, you know, be their own recruitment consultant to an extent and, and you know, to the CV and portfolios. And then, and then when I was on furlough for the first month, I drank like copious amounts of wine and stuff. And then I was just like, oh, my brain's going to mush. And I, you know, I found the domain for the Arctic Social was like, 10 pounds which is really rare because a lot of domains as you know because you you net you made up your company name which is a very smart move but very you know if like i did yeah i did from scratch yeah but maybe snowplanning.com is like free grand which is kind of insane isn't well, it well i i didn't i didn't want the um i didn't want the the ties i guess to my name in many respects because yeah. it has if you google it you get a lot of Oh, you! This is popular. The old John Snow, you know. You got the Game of Thrones fan, which I was, you know. And there's that. There's oh, that. Is there some bad John Snows out there as well? Well, no. The um, so there's a pub. Have you been to the John Snow pub in Soho? No. So the pub is it, was is it named good after the ah. chap. He was a scientist that discovered where the cholera outbreak. Um, came oh, from. He, he with the well and everything. It. Oh yeah, yeah. He tracked it oh, he's to on a, Wikipedia. To yeah, hand pumped. Yeah, well, you're you're yeah. you're done, John. And you know, and you're you know, you've got a lot to offer, and you're successful. But a guy, if a guy solved that on Wikipedia, you, we're not doing good in the Google rankings. You know, I'm I'm not, I'm not getting close, am I? So so that was why. John Snow was never really going to be a great name for a, for a planning company in my book. Fair enough. So hence Tetric. Hence Tetric came out of somewhere. It's amazing. Uh, look, and to, to, to fully answer your question, and then we'll round up without wherever we can find you. You learn bits and bobs. So, you know, I used to um, crazily, one of my passions was web design. And that's why I built the website. It's because I've learned bits and bobs over the years. And a lot of it's been done in WordPress. And it's building up that knowledge and building up that recruitment and then having the confidence to kind of put it in place. Or as you said quite rightly earlier, when you were talking about how you wanted to do your business in plan, then I kind of felt, well, I can add a bit of a twist in it. And the other bit is like doing stuff yeah. like this is, is that you go out of your comfort zone, but I think that good things come from it, John, you know, and you, you, oh, I, oh, I completely agree. I completely agree. And I think, I think just to pick up on a point you made earlier, which I think yeah. was absolutely spot on was that, that, in terms of making mistakes, I don't think I don't think mistakes are a bad thing. I think mistakes yeah. are how you learn. And actually, like that's the one thing that that sort of starting my own business has, has taught me is is every every time you do something, you think, well, maybe next time I'll do it slightly different. And you're constantly right. like refining and adjusting what you do, aren't you? And that's and actually, I don't know. The idea of a mistake is it's got negative connotations, but in many respects, it. It can be a really positive thing because, you know, it's a way of describing how you're constantly learning and evolving and getting better, isn't it? Yeah, I agree. And um, I think that's the challenge that I enjoy most about about running my own company is at times you're screaming, um, you know, at a, at, a, at a computer screen because you've got God knows how much 
um, business-related admin to do. But you wouldn't have it any other way, would you? You wouldn't have it any other way. Well, I think, um, you know, that's a nice way to kind of end our little segue on John Snow, who wouldn't have it any other way. What a fantastic introduction <laughs> to planning. And we'll have I was to... hoping for more, for more. I was happy. Oh, I've, got, I've, got, I've, got, I've, got, I've got, I've got, I've got, I've got a few. Yeah, look. Oh, that's I was hoping for more sound effects. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, do you know what, John? I need to know them all before. But like, look at that. It sounds like it's like a little bit relaxing for the. Can you imagine? The, 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 if anyone's seen it now, it sounds We're like. We're on a boat. We're on a boat on the Thames. Right. The pandemic is over. Everyone's going. Hey! The pandemic's over. It's a it's a Sunday morning. There's sort of mist in the air. We're on a little on a little rowboat. Yeah, with that music. It? Yeah, I've. Oh, do you know what? I've run out. The music playing stopped, didn't it? But we will get more music for next time. So, John, I think we should. It's been an absolute pleasure, and we will we will definitely, definitely, definitely do another one but before you go everyone can reach out i'm gonna put all the links into the podcast as i always do but you can find john snow on linkedin you can find john on the architecture social and you can visit his website which is tetricplanning.co.uk which is t-e-t-r-i-c-k tetric planning p-l double I can't even say planning anymore. Planning. P L A N N I N G. uk. That planning, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Tetricplanning.co.uk. That link would be in the description. Thank you so much for joining me, John. Stay on the line while this podcast uploads, and we will get you on another time. Thank you. Thank you very much. I really appreciate the time. Um, yeah. As I say, thank you. And uh, yeah, we'll see you again. See you again soon, no doubt. Cheers, John.